Hey everyone, Sage here. I just wanted to thank Evan M. for supporting this episode of the Holy Backboard Podcast. Be sure to check out his website, evanm.com. That's E-V-A-N-E-M.com. And enjoy the show. Uh, Spurs, Grizzlies, do we even need to talk about that? It's going to be a sweep, clean sweep, right? Yep. Lance Stevenson might be fun. I mean, that, that's a series made for NBA TV. Let's go! All right, everybody, welcome to the 30th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin, live from rainy Rip City, and I got my man Sage chilling in Southern Oregon, trying to get that paper stacks ready so I can move back to Portland. And yo, Dustin, your hair looks fly. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And, uh, you know, speaking of fly hair, we have one of the best guests we've ever had. You know, this podcast is sponsored tonight by Evan, Evan MPDX. Evan, thank you for joining us. I know you made the trek over to your office so your pug wouldn't uh, make a bunch of noise because he knows he, he loves it when you talk hoops. So appreciate the dedication. For those listening, it's 10.50 p.m. The Blazers just defeated the Denver Nuggets, locked up the fifth seed. We're all here excited talking Blazers. Uh, Evan, what did you think of the game tonight? Uh, I mean, which game? I know you were at the game, weren't you, Dustin? Yeah, there was only one game in my mind. I could care less about anything else. I know, well, I know, I got wrapped up in the other stuff. So, I, I mean, I watched the Blazer game for the most part. Obviously, we had just found out minutes before the game that mm-hmm. um, somehow the Mavericks lost to the Spurs with the Spurs sitting everyone. It was unbelievable. So it kind of, I, you know, I wasn't as excited. I was working on, I'm working on a pain right now, so I was kind of back and forth. But then I started tuning into the Warriors game, obviously, and was kind of hooked. And then obviously Kobe Bryant's performance, which was insane. So I was flipping back between all of them. So I, I didn't, honestly, if I'm going to be honest, I didn't watch a ton of the Blazer game. <laughs> so I just hyped you up, called you one of our best guests ever. I'm sponsored by you. And this is this is what you what you give us, Evan. No, I mean I'm a, no, I know I'm, I'm a, either Rasheed Wallace just look of disgust right now. No, well if you would have saw like. It, I mean, the other two games were laughable. Like, the Warriors game, like, I watched that out of entertainment just to laugh because you have the Warriors game, which they were murdering uh, Memphis. And then as I was watching that game, I looked at the, the reader on the bottom. It said, like, Kobe had 40 points on, like, 35 shots. I'm like, what? So I flipped over to the Laker game, and it's like Kobe's just jacking, like, insane amount of shots. It was awesome. And then he ended up hitting, you know, some big shots, and he ended up winning um, – which was unfortunate for the Jazz, right? Because Houston won earlier, so they weren't playing for anything. Yeah, Utah blew their chance when they lost to... I mean, they, they had lost to the Suns at home in recent weeks. They lost to the Clippers when they sat CP3 and Blake on a Jamal Crawford pretty much walk-off. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they, they had their playoff game against the Mavericks on Monday in their gym, and they lost. So they had lost, you know, three games they just had to win in, in Salt Lake City, which you wouldn't have thought would happen, but... uh that's what's ha- that's what happens when you do not have a, a point guard, and uh, thankfully for the Trailblazers, they have uh, one of the best in the game. They get it done, one hundred seven ninety nine over the Nuggets, and it was kind of like a, a relief knowing that we had the seating locked up before even that game happened. You could play um, guys limited minutes. You got to see a lot of Connaughton, Brian Roberts, uh, Vonleh, Montero, 
and the like. Uh, we even got to rest uh, Gerald Henderson, who I joked to my wife. I said, yeah, you got to rest the old man. What, 28 years old? I mean, that just goes to show you how ridiculously young this team is. But, you know, you get out of there uh, with CJ just playing 27 minutes, Dame playing 24. I mean, CJ played the most, 27. No starter played more than that. So that's fantastic. We get three days off, almost four, because our first playoff game doesn't start until 7.30. In fact, every playoff game uh, that has been scheduled out starts at 7.30. So for those who, who don't know or living under a rock, the Blazers are playing the Clippers. Uh, the games for the first four are, have been released. As I said, game one can be seen Sunday, April 17th at 7.30 p.m. on TNT. Game two is Wednesday, the 20th. Uh, at 7.30 as well. Game three, back in Portland, uh, Saturday the 23rd. And game four, Monday, April 25 at 7.30 on TNT. So the Blazers actually play the day before and the day after my birthday. And that's good. The Blazers have not won historically very often on my birthday, April 26th. So that could, be, that could be the basketball gods giving us a gift right there. We've been buds for a lot of four years, five years. I still have no idea what your birthday is. I just know you're old. <laughs> I know yours is what, March 24th? Boom! Wow, you're a better friend than I am. I am. And and normally we'll, we would have gone back through the week that was and then previewed the week. But since it's the playoffs, we're going to focus on that. Uh, the Blazers end up fifth in the Western Conference, 44-38, and 28-13 uh, and 13 at home. And, you know, 7-3 and three in the last 10. So they're trending in the right direction. And they get what I believe is the best possible first round matchup. It's the one that I have been hoping for and, you know, just really thinking could happen with Memphis just being so beat up and no team below us having the star caliber players that Portland has. It just seemed like this was the best matchup. Uh, Golden State broke the damn record, 73 wins. Steph had almost 50 points on what, less than 30 shots, which is just asinine. Uh, you've got the Spurs, who win 67 games, uh, lose one game all season at home, and, you know, in any other year would be the runaway number one seed. Oklahoma City, to me, is the worst matchup of any team in the NBA because of the size they possess, along with Russ and KD. So, while the Clippers do have future Hall of Famers in Blake Griffin and Chris Paul and a monster in the middle in DeAndre Jordan, it's still the best matchup and gives me the most hope going into the postseason. Did both of you feel that way um, as the seeding was starting to unfold down the stretch run? Um, I mean, yeah. I, oh, absolutely. Um, it's tough. Uh, I don't think we, we would have any chance against OKC. Um, I mean, even against the Clippers, it's going to be tough. But we do. I think we have the best chance against them. Um, San Antonio and Golden State are probably going to sweep their series. I was just looking at the matchup and I was like, God, over under for the six seven eight seeds this year in the playoffs like over under one win in the first round like i i could see all three of those series going sweet <laughs> um so yeah i mean we've played the clippers fairly well i know the last time we played the like the clippers was that heartbreaker where jj ready get that game winner which i'm still sick over but um yeah i mean i think that we pose a good matchup for the clippers or the, we can match up well with them it's just that the Clippers have the most variables for the Blazers to exploit. They haven't gotten the chance to really work Blake Griffin in. The The chemistry is really crappy. It's just the most what-ifs for the Blazers to capitalize on. And, I mean, that that's why that was the preferred matchup. It's the most variables. It's going to be a competition. The other three games, let's be honest, 
probably weren't going to be, but this is actual competition. Dave always seems to get really hyped for these matchups with Chris Paul, and that's a really good thing since we'll be seeing a lot of them. You know, this is a series to get excited about. I thought last year really wasn't. You could tell right off the bat in Game 1 that series was going to be a no contest against Memphis. And unfortunately, that was the case. Uh, this could shape up to be more of a Houston 2014 series where you're seeing a lot of close games uh, go deep into the playoffs in terms of a series. Like, this could be, this has the makings, in my opinion, of a six or a seven game series. And even though the Clippers went three and one against the Trailblazers this year, you know, it was a lot of interesting. I guess, ins and outs of the, of the, the season series. So let's take a look back. Uh, the first matchup, Portland actually won quite convincingly, 102-91 in Portland on November 20th. Uh, Chris Paul was held in check that game, 11 points on 12 shots, only eight assists. And the Blazer bigs just absolutely destroyed Blake and DeAndre. Uh, Davis had 17 points, 15 boards. Uh, 10 of those were on the offensive glass, shot seven of eight. Uh, Mason Plumley. Shot six and nine, added 18 points of his own, 10 boards. And then Dame probably had the best game he's ever had as a trailblazer against Doc Rivers and Chris Paul, 27, seven and four. The two teams played 10 days later in Los Angeles was a much different story. Uh, Clippers won pretty handily, uh, 102, 87. That was the hack of DeAndre game. He set the record, a record for shooting free throws, uh, shot 34, only made 12, but I mean, when you have 18 points and 24 boards and two blocks, you can go 12 or 34 from the free throw line. It was a little bit heartbreaking, too, because Chris Paul was still held in check that game. Uh, 10 points, again, on 11 shots, only six assists. Uh, Portland got nothing from their backcourt. Uh, Dame has struggled mightily against this Clippers team. He had uh, just seven points, no assists in 17 minutes. Um, CJ, not much better. 12 points on 15 shots on 37 minutes. Um, Ed Davis had another double-double, 13-10. and 10. The last two games were the most interesting, in my opinion. You had the game in Portland on January 6th. Portland lost 109-98. to 98. That is the clerical error game. That oh, is the okay. game where we thought Portland was maybe stealthily tanking. Uh, how did they leave C.J. McCollum off the active roster? They called in, said, Doc Rivers, if you're okay with it, he can play. He said no. Um, that's going to stick with this team. And they, they are going to remember that. I know CJ does. Uh, Portland lost. Uh, but again, the Blazer Bigs played fantastic. 12-12 and 12 for Easy Ed. 19-9-5 for Mason. Um, Dame again struggled. 20-9, and nine, but he shot 25 field goals to get that. And it was vintage Chris Paul. 21 points and 19 assists. Just three turnovers. You're not going to win when CP3 gets over 15 dimes. And then the last game. Evan, you just mentioned that. Mentioned it. It was the JJ Reddit game winner. Uh, Portland lost 96-94 to uh, in Los Angeles on the 24th of March. Uh, that's the game Portland was up. Seven points with three minutes to go. Stotts decides to hack Jordan. I thought that really changed the whole complexity of the game. They certainly got into a rhythm after that. Um, Jamal Crawford hit that game tying three. Uh, Ed Davis had another nice game, 12-8. and eight. And Lillard, I mean, this is going to be a constant theme throughout this podcast, struggled against the Clippers. Just 4 of 16 shooting. He did have those two clutch baskets down the stretch, but it wasn't enough. And then if you want to throw in that 35-point blown lead that Portland had on October 22nd in the preseason, um, Portland's had had a tough time against the LA Clippers. It's almost like they're almost over that hump getting, you know, getting over the hill, but they just haven't been able to do it yet. 
Um, and obviously, with them being the underdog, they are going to have to find a way to win in Los Angeles. Uh, do you think they're close enough, guys? Well, I think those first few games, Chris Paul was deferring because I think he was still injured. And then the last few games, Blake Griffin was hurt. So we really haven't gotten the chance to see this team whole because of the injuries. So working them in, it's going to be an extra thing that the Clippers have to worry about. So like, even though the Blazers have struggled so mightily against this team, it was still the best option. But I, I think that it's going to be a really hard-fought, fun series. Big chess match is going to be how Dame goes against CP3. How If CP3 annoys him, pesters him, because you know he's going to pester him. Chris Paul does dirty things that refs don't pay attention to. So it's gotta, that's going to be one of the major X factors is how Dame will handle CP's pressure. And this series, to me is exciting. It's finally two teams that do not like each other. You see so much hugging and dapping and hand pounds, you know, pregame. There's going to be none of that shit in this series. Uh, It started, like I said, back on October 22nd, when, as Jason Quick reported, Doc Rivers told Terry Stotts, you know, sit down, punk, when he was um, arguing a call that the Clipper bench got too close to one of our shooters. Um, CJ's already said multiple times on, on air that, you know, he's looking forward to getting the Clippers back. I think he's even taken a shot at Austin Rivers. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. You said he, oh, he did take a shot. Yeah, yeah. He did. He did. That, did you remember what that was? That was something about, uh, it was, I would defend, yeah, I would defend my son too. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. But what was it in regards to getting crunch time minutes? Ugh. Such a stupid. No, I, well, I think someone lit him up or something. He's like, yeah, I would defend my son too. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing though. Oh, it, it was so smooth. Ow! Man down, man down. Sage hurt himself. Mm. All right, yeah, I'm back. So the Clippers, they end the season 53 wins, 29 losses. However, just 29 and 12 at home. Again, this is why I felt like it was the best matchup. You've got Golden State 39 and 2, San Antonio 40 and 1, the Thunder 32 and 9. Those are intense home court advantages. Like you could. You know when you play football and you're betting, the home team always gets a three, three and a half point boost. You could even put five, six, seven points on some of those home court advantages. Uh, Los Angeles fans in general and Clipper fans even more so are pretty subdued. They're not going to get too rowdy. I don't think that's going to be any sort of a distraction for the Trailblazers. In fact, I think we have the advantage when it comes to fan bases um, easily and hands down. So that, that's huge because this team has to get one win on the road to, to win the series. We all know that. So that's why I really was hoping for this series because it's going to be tough to win on the road. The Blazers didn't do a whole lot of road warrior victories this season. In fact, I think they lost maybe eight of their last 10 after winning the, those first three on that Eastern Conference road trip. So that'll be tough for them. But as you mentioned, Sage, there are going to be a lot of X factors in this series and a lot of keys. Uh, with this being the first postseason matchup between the two franchises, I think this series might go down as the Hack of Jordan series. Do you guys think Stotts is going to continue to put him on the line? I mean, he's done it in the past, and I don't see why not. It's one of those things where the Clippers complain about it all the time. You could tell that DeAndre Jordan gets frustrated when it happens. Um, so I don't know why more teams don't do it. Like He's visibly irritated when it happens to him. Um, but to your point, when we did it earlier in the season, or when we did it... Um, the last game when we were up late in the game, you got to pick and choose your spots when you want to use it. 
Uh, I don't think it was best used there. Um, I would like it to. It's just like I think when you're behind. Yeah, when you're behind it to, to, to break up rhythm, like because Chris Paul is a very rhythm point guard. He likes to have a flow to the offense, and I think that it's most useful when you can try to break up a rhythm that they're in. Um, so I I don't see why Terry Stotts wouldn't use it. Yeah, and if Blazer fans remember, Portland was down by 13 points in Game One of that 2014 series against the Rockets in Houston. He went to the hack of Howard. It worked. It took Houston out of the rhythm. He missed a bunch of free throws, and that allowed Portland to get back into the game and ultimately, you know, change momentum. You steal one in LA, you've got the home court advantage back. So it's happened with a Stotts coach team before. Uh, Sage, I think it's going to happen again. Yeah. And go ahead. I, I, I'm thinking this doesn't have anything to do with the topic at hand, but how much pressure do you think the Clippers are? To keep this core together, how far do they actually have to get in the playoffs before they try it, something new? Well, considering Chris Paul as a player is probably going to go down as only the second Hall of Fame player to never make the conference finals, the other one being Dominique Wilkins, uh, if I remember that correctly, they've got to get at least to the conference finals. And with being in the 4-5 or five matchup, there's very unlikely they'll beat the Warriors. They are, you know, that has been a fun matchup this season and in the past, but I mean, that's a daunting challenge. I don't think Doc Rivers is a good enough GM. Mm. You look yeah. at teams bringing in veteran players that are coming in and doing work while he still has, you know, Austin Rivers. They gave up a first round pick for Jeff Green. You know, I, I don't understand why they allow him to, to run the show. They, they have enough talent. All they really need is pieces here and there, but they just can't seem to get out of their own way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, it's it's going to be interesting this offseason because the Clippers obviously played very well when Blake Griffin was hurt. There have been rumors that Chris Paul and Blake Griffin don't really get along that well. And a lot of people think that they should have traded Blake Griffin after the whole punching incident uh, right before the deadline. They, they, they should have done something with him. But again, his value would be so low. You can't, you can't sell low on... We'll be interesting to see what happens this offseason because if, if, say, the Blazers do bounce him in the first round, like, what, you can't come back with that team next year. No. Because the Warriors aren't going to get any worse. The Spurs are going to be good. Okay, well, depending on what happens with Durant, he'll probably stay in OKC for at least one more year. Like, you're you're treading water with this team, and it's like they you brought them back year after year, and it's just not has working. a very Memphis Grizzly feel to it, where you're about the four seed, and that's that's your that's your pinnacle, your pinnacle, that's your destiny. Yeah, round. with with this team, that's your destiny. Yeah. I mean, I've seen this experiment with Chris Paul before with the New Orleans team that was based extremely like this team. It does not work. You put so much pressure on Chris Paul, and he's not the most clutch person in clutch situations, You and you put way too much pressure on him, and you don't have other ball handlers. I've seen it happen an entire time with Chris Paul. It doesn't work, and it's... It's time to scrap this team, but it's going to be interesting what they can get for those pieces and who they keep. And there were also rumors that DeAndre was going to leave because of Chris Paul. And Chris Paul is known to be, to be a very vocal leader and mm-hmm. always get on his players. You know, that can wear you down. Like, winning cures all. But if you're not winning, you're going to start getting tired of hearing that little voice next to you. Um, but but back to DJ just, just a bit. He shot 619 free throws. This season, that is the most he's ever shot his career, uh, just converted 43 percent of the time against Portland in that hack of Jordan game did have a lot to do with it. But he shot 60 free throws against the Trailblazers. That's the most against any team 
Thankfully, he's only made 22, 37%. I know he's struggling uh, lately at the free throw line. Um, however, he still does get it done in the middle, and that's where Portland's going to have to worry about him. 14 points, uh, 16 and a half rebounds, six of those coming on the offensive glass against the Trailblazers this year. I think Portland's done a good job of stopping that lob, but they're going to have to keep him off the glass. I even saw the Nuggets tonight. I mean, they've got a surplus of bigs. White bigs. Mason and Ed, Noah and Mo and Aminu, uh, Henderson, Crab, all of the guys, even the guards, Damon CJ, you've got to crash the glass and limit the Clippers to one opportunity. But speaking of that lob, Sage, how in the world is Portland going to try to defend this pick and roll? How should they defend the pick and roll if you were the coach? It's so tough because Chris Paul is such a magician with the pick and roll. I mean, that's how he became a Hall of Fame point guard. And now with Blake Griffin, it's an added dimension in the pick and roll. He can give it to Blake for a, a mid-range shot or have Blake run the offense from the hot mid post. You saw that when Chris Paul was hurt, that Blake Griffin took it upon himself to run the Clipper offense. So with Blake Griffin, it adds that dimension that I don't know exactly how you stop it because the rim run with DJ, the mid-post pass, the two shooters on the edge. It, it's a really difficult thing to stop. And that's why NBA teams run it 50 to 60% of their offense pick and roll because it's tough to stop. You essentially have to be perfect on everything. And Chris Paul will probably still find you in a bad position. I think the Blazers have to make a decision whether they want to go over the screen or under the screen. With Chris Paul not being the best of shooters, um, I think you might take your chances going under a little bit. If you could... One, I would force the pick and roll to be a little bit outside of of the paint. You know, hopefully out extended to the three-point line if possible. He can hit that mid-range shot. That's his bread and butter. But his range is pretty limited, and he has struggled against the Trailblazers this year. In four games, um, 16.8 points, just 42% shooting from the field. Uh, he's He's only shot one of 10 from three in those four games against the Blazers and 10 assists per game but he's had three turnovers uh, per game as well. So, you know, you look at 17 and 10, that's that's good for any regular point guard, but we're talking about a Hall of Fame point guard and Chris Paul. I think at your Portland, you would live with him averaging 17 and 10 for the series, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But um, I, I got to say about his shooting, if he's set, it's a much higher percentage shot. Yes, you got to get him moving, yeah. uh, maybe off balance. So definitely contest the shot, but... He's not Rajon Rondo. He can hit a three. He's a very good shooter when set. But and if he's moving at all, the percentages drop a whole bunch. You got can't let him have his spot. No, and I feel like the Clippers are such a better team when he's more offensively aggressive. I hope he's passive. I hope he's looking for a Oh, I hope he defers so much. When he looks to score, that team is so hard to defend. And, that, and to Evan's point, when they were played so well without Blake Griffin, I think that's why, because he was looking to score more and – he's a magician with the basketball. You're completely right, Sage. And when he has that ball in his hands, it's like a string. He can do whatever he wants. But he's such a pass-first point guard that I think he's unselfish to a fault. Hopefully that trend, you know, remains true in this series because Portland can't win if he's getting 25-plus a night. His philosophy on point guarding is the first quarter, he gives it to the wings so they can have a rhythm. Second and third, he gives it to the post players so they stay motivated and play defense. Fourth quarter is all about him. In the last few years, he's been attacking the defense a lot less. 
he's still very capable of doing so. But that that's what Chris Paul's mind state is: wings, post, and then him in the fourth quarter. So it's got to be Dame time for the Trailblazers to win this series. Our friend Evan is going to give our listeners a special code to use at checkout. Evan, why don't you let our listeners know what they have to do so they can get a discount on one of your you know amazing Dame time tees? Yeah, so um, right now on the website, I have actually a few Blazer items uh, in honor of the playoffs coming up. Um, I went ahead and, and added a promo code, so holy backboard, one word. At checkout, if you type it, it's good for either the red or white Dame Time shirt, um, the red and red and black PDX snapback hat, uh, 20% off that, and also I have a 503 Dame shirt. So all four items, or any of those items at checkout, if you type in Holy Backboard, you will get 20% off all those items. What's, which, give us our, give us your website again, Evan. Yeah, it's evanem.com. That's E-V-A-N-E-M.com. So there you go. Thank you to Evan for you know being on this podcast and giving our listeners a discount. You're definitely going to want to gear up for this postseason run. And I know Dame, he is going to want to gear up for this postseason run because I think he's got a little bit of redemption. Uh, the Clippers have been, I would say, arguably his, his toughest opponent to face since he's entered this league. Chris Paul has been a thorn in his side, and this year was no different. You want to look at Dame's numbers. Against the Clippers this year, 18 points on 32.4% shooting, 35.5 from downtown, 6 assists, 4 rebounds, and 3 turnovers. Of the teams that Lillard has played more than twice this year, so essentially all the Western Conference teams, the 18 points per game is the second fewest that he's averaged this season. He's only uh, The Kings were the fewest at 16.7. The 32.4% shooting from the field is the worst against any team this year. How does this happen, Sage? Why does he struggle so bad against this Clipper team? What is Doc Rivers doing that's throwing him off his game? One thing about, I'm buying that M&M products. The website doesn't know it's me that's buying it, so I'm totally going to take advantage of the, the deal. <laughs> Go for it. Hey, man, it's not like you're going to stop me. No, not <laughs> at all. Not at all. Um, But, I mean, I, I think it definitely is Chris Paul's defense. He is the man of steel. He has... He has very quick hands. He plays really tough, sometimes dirty defense. So I think that affects it. I think that the, the, the Clippers are one of the most aggressive teams at blitzing our guards, making it go to Al Farouk's hands or Mason Plumlee's hands. And that is a big thing that they've done every single game. Is let's just make sure Dame doesn't kill us. We'll give it to Ed Davis. So he he's had inflated numbers because of how much they blitz our guards. If the Clippers are taking the ball out of Dame's hands, who needs to step up for this team to get the victory? We saw it was Al Farouk Aminu when the Celtics incorporated a similar strategy uh, on the 31st of March, who stepped up and had what a career-high 28 points. Who is going to need to make the Clippers pay for blitzing Lillard at half court? Yeah, I mean, you just brought him up. I was going to bring up an X factor, I think, for the series is Al Farouk Aminu, especially. You brought up the game on the 31st, but just as of recent, he's been playing so much more aggressive, and it's been a really welcoming sign, um, all, both with the ball in his hands and uh, moving around without the ball. When you look at the matchups between the two teams, I mean, you've got the point guard matchup is kind of a wash. I mean, Chris Paul's obviously Chris Paul. The shooting guard, CJ, is amazing, but you got JJ and Jamal Crawford. DeAndre at center's uh, obvious advantage, and then Blake Griffin. So the, the small forward position is one where I think that we could hopefully try to exploit 
with the way with how aggressive that Aminu has been playing lately. Yeah, you you take Aminu over a guy like Wesley Johnson or Jeff Green any day of the week. And before tonight's game, Aminu was blazing hot from three. Uh, in the month of April, he's shooting fifty uh, percent, ten of twenty. And over his last ten games, he is shooting forty two percent, twenty two of fifty three. That is a trend we need to see. Uh, he shot phenomenal from deep as a member of the Dallas Mavericks in that series against the Houston Rockets. One of the reasons Neil O'Shea went after him as his main target as a free agent last summer. And if he is hitting that three, especially in the corner, the short corner, Portland's life is going to be so much easier. It is going to open up the floor for everybody. And that, I think if you're looking at keys, X factors, whatever you want to call them, that is the number one thing. If Portland can get a legit third score to make the Clippers pay for a double teaming Dame, we can win the series. If not, it's going to be just like Dame's going to feel like he's suffocated by that defense because they'll send two, three players. They don't, you know, if you're not making that shot, they're not going to let Dame get hot because like Chris Paul, Dame is a, a rhythm player as well. And we've all seen him get into his zones and the Clippers don't want to see that. Not at all. Sage, who else needs to step up? Uh, Evan mentioned Aminu. Who, who's your guy that really needs to have a, a big game to help take the pressure off of Dame? I think our post players need to have big games because, I mean, first, you got to defend those bigs. Blake Griffin, he's no joke. DeAndre, when he's rim running, is a scary, scary matchup. So if you can make them work on defense, Blake doesn't, he's not a awful defender, but he's not a, sol- not a solid defender. So if you can make those two work on defense, it's going to make them a lot less effective on offense, especially I, in late game situations. I think you can outwork them on, for the boards too. DeAndre gets a lot because he's a big beast, but I think you can just straight out muscle and out, you know, out heart. Like you just have more heart, you have more will. I think you can do that to this Clippers team. I think that's one area where Portland can be stronger. I think that there's only two, two and a half willing rebounders on the Clippers team. It's Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan. Yep. And Blake Griffin, if he really wants to. But I've watched him in a game, I think against Milwaukee earlier in the year. Blake Griffin was just trying to box out. And I think Giannis just slipped, Giannis just slipped in between the box out, jumped for the rebound, and Blake really didn't do much about it. So I don't know if his desire is there. Again, it, there's a lot of stuff we don't know because we're not physically in the locker room to know about chemistry and all that stuff, but I don't think the rest of the team has that burning desire to win like Chris Paul does. Yeah, and, and you know, you mentioned the Blazer Bigs having to step up. One guy who I think is going to play the biggest role for the Trailblazers, probably not named Dame or CJ, will be Ed Davis. Uh, he averaged a double-double against the Clippers this year, 13.5 points. Uh, 11.3 rebounds. He also averaged a double-double against the Chicago Bulls. Uh, He shot 71% and a respectable 62.5% from the free throw line uh, against the Clips. Uh, The 13.5 points was by far and away his highest scoring average against any opponent this year. Um, If he can control the boards on the defensive end and give Portland second opportunities on the offensive end and knock down his free throws, you know they're going to foul him. Doc Rivers is pretty petty. If he sees Stotts intentionally fouling his guys, he is definitely going to go after Ed Davis. Uh, We've seen it before. Thankfully, Ed actually thrives when that happens. Uh, He steps up, and he knows he's being fouled intentionally, but he makes, I feel like, 
more of those intentional free throws than just an average one. But I think Ed's going to be huge. And if we can use Mason Plumley in the high, high post, bring DeAndre out of the paint a little bit and, and operate, uh, that is going to be huge. Just like we did against the Heat when, when Whiteside was in the game. We brought him away because uh, you don't want to challenge DeAndre too much and get that, that crowd hyped. Or him comfortable. Exactly. You don't want to give him saying, like, this is my paint. You're not, you know, coming in here. So I think Ed Davis is going to be my guy. But uh, So what do you think the matchups will be? Like, who's starting at the power forward spot? Yeah, I was just going to ask oh. you that, that question. Would would you? I think they're going to continue to start Mo Harkless. And I think mm-hmm. Harkless is probably going to end up on a Wesley Johnson or a Jeff Green. And they're going to play a Minu on Blake Griffin. Uh, Blake Griffin's not a traditional back-to-the-basket power mm-hmm. forward. He's more of the pick-and-pop. He's that's more finesse. That's what I think is going to happen. Do you guys see the same thing unfolding? They're continue to roll out Maurice Harkless as that starter. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think Mo's going to start. And yeah, to your point, I think it makes sense to put Amino on Blake Griffin because the one thing I fear is with the lack of experience, especially in the playoffs, that type of atmosphere. I mean, it is ratcheted down a lot more. And Mo Harkless obviously has no playoff experience, even though Amino's only played in one series, which was last year, played well. But like, I'm really nervous about Mo Harkless if he were to guard Blake Griffin, him getting in foul trouble. Like real early, because mm-hmm. Blake's a savvy vet, and he, you know, he knows all the all the little moves that he can do to, you know, get guys in the air and and get them to reach. So, I mean, it would probably make sense for me to guard Blake. I wouldn't be shocked if Mo did, but I just I fear that he's gonna, he could get in foul trouble early. I think that they'll start out with Mo as a starter, but if it doesn't work, I think Terry will be fine with switching Bonley on in or or another big. This isn't a time to worry about people's feelings. This, you're trying to win this series. So go balls to the wall. Do whatever it takes to win. You know, you said doing whatever it takes to win. And I think CJ McCollum in last year's playoffs, he did whatever he, he could to help that team be competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was his coming out party against the Grizzlies last year. He Over the final three games of that series, he averaged 25.7 points. And get this, 60.8% from the field and 64.7% from three. He was straight cooking against the Grizzlies those final three games. I don't think he's going to have that type of performance, but he's going to have to really shoulder a lot of the scoring load. And, you know, a couple 25, 30-point games would go a long way to help the Blazers knock off the Clippers. Uh, Do you guys see any McCollum magic uh, this year? I think we're going to need to see it. Because J.J. Reddick's not going to be able to guard him. No. And do you, th- do you think C.J.'s game to run around screens to guard that's, J.J.? That's what I was just going to say. Like, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about the, him with C.J. on offense. I'm, he's going uh, to be running around quite a bit. He's going to be logging some miles this series, chasing around J.J. and Jamal. Yeah, I think I actually read a stat that the, the Sport VU calculates the miles ran. I think he's at, he was maybe the top or top five yeah. miles ran this season. So, you know, he's a young buck. He's really conditioned. Uh, he has a really big competitive drive, and he's got another chip on his shoulder because, like like we've talked about, the whole clerical error, Doc Rivers, he wants this team. The Trailblazers have been talking about the fifth seed for weeks now. They want them. So if you're not willing to chase J.J. Redick around some screens, you know, why are you even playing in this mm-hmm. league? Mm-hmm. And, and speaking of the seeding thing, and I think that's a good point. So we want the Clippers, and I think, as far as like the mental warfare goes, you know that the Clippers did not want Portland. Oh you, no, 
they did not. So that it's it's one of those things where a we have nothing really to lose. I mean, we were expected to be one. Yeah, exactly. We were expected to be one of the worst teams in the NBA. And look, here we are at the fifth seed. We have nothing to lose. The Clippers, you know, if this goes wrong this series, then like we were talking about in the offseason, they could get really blown up. And then added on top of that, you know, the Clippers were like, God, we would much rather play Dallas or Memphis. We don't want to play Portland. Oh, Memphis was just sitting there for weeks, just mm-hmm. a hurt, like a hurt, you know. like a Everyone wounded. wants to play Memphis, yeah. You're looking at the Clippers like a wolf, and they're seeing like a wounded animal just sitting there waiting to attack. Like that would have been four and done. Well, mm-hmm. that's not what happens. I think the Clippers now have the toughest first-round matchup. They still might likely win, but it's going to take a lot more out of them had they, than had they played, you know, Memphis. Oh, uh, yeah. But but again, they've done a nice job on CJ. Uh, he struggled against uh, the Clippers, 15.7 points, uh, less than 39% shooting, just an, an abysmal 25% from three. And he only got to the line 14 times in three games. Uh, one, he's going to have to shoot much better than that. And two, we need to win the free throw line battle. Um, I, I don't think you can just look at free throw numbers because we might be hacking DeAndre. But in the overall sense of being aggressive, we cannot settle for threes. We need to live at the line, especially on the road. That's the easiest way to shut up a crowd and slow the game down and get to your pace is easy, easy points when the clock is stopped. Um, so I believe Dame, when he was going, had that stretch where he was getting to the line a lot. If we're going to get the Clippers into foul trouble early, I think that's that's my way how they are going to steal um, a game on the road. What other things did the Trailblazers just have to do to get one of these first two guys? Focus. I think focus with this team is a yeah. The turnovers they yeah. got got to cut down on those lazy turnovers. You do not want to get Chris Paul in those passing lanes or, or Chris Paul in transition, which is exactly just as deadly. I mean, he is not afraid to throw those lobs. So on fast breaks, I mean, I think it's be careful on offense. Limit the stupid mistakes. I know they're going to happen, but instead of 6 out of 10 times you make the right play, how about make it 8 out of 10 times you make the right play on offense or defense? I I just want mentally them to be mentally prepared for this playoff atmosphere, this playoff series. It, it really, your brain is a big factor in basketball. So making the right decision more often is really what I think is a big factor in this game. Yeah, you're completely completely right. And when you look up and down this roster, Dame's been in the playoffs. CJ's been in the playoffs. Henderson may have been. Aminu was last year. Mason Plumlee hasn't been. Um, I don't think Ed Davis has ever played a big role in a playoff series. Harkless hasn't. Uh, this will be Crab's first real run in the playoffs. Uh, it's a young team not very experienced. This is where I think Dame's leadership shines, uh, leads by example. I think the team will follow suit, but they're going to have to help him out. We talked about individual players, but I think another factor along with free throws is the bench. We perform so well when we get buckets from Gerald Henderson, who has a calming presence on the court when he's out there with the younger guys, whether it's you know a mid-range shot or you know a post-up. Uh, Alan Crabb really needs to get hot from three. He shot uh, pretty decently, 5 of 12 uh, against the Clippers this year from downtown. He had a fabulous game tonight against the Denver Nuggets, so he's getting hot at the right time. If Portland can, if their bench can not outplay, but neutralize Jamal Crawford because he is the likely sixth man of the year, 
even though the dude's 36 years old, he's still, you know, he keeps on ticking. Like we said, he had that game winner against the Jazz. Uh, the dude is lethal. He's a four-point play waiting to happen at any moment. So the Blazers need to win the battle of the bench. Evan, Sage, what are your X factors going into this series? I, I mean, I think for mine, um, because we're kind of, with our bigs, we're stretched a little thin with Myers being out. Um, and Vonley's obviously not getting a ton of playing time right now. I think one of the X factors is to try to stay out of foul trouble um, with the bigs. Yeah, I mean, we don't have a lot of bodies. I mean, uh, Sage, you and I were talking after the Timberwolves game. I was, you know, that I know we didn't want to talk about it, but <laughs> when when Towns hit that when Towns hit that turnaround, I I wrote you me and like God, no, I know you like Myers, but I really wish you would have been in on that play. Oh, but he had he would have been so game for that. Yeah, I mean, so, I, mean had, I don't want to pay him that absorbent. <clears throat> That absorbent contract, but man, he definitely has a role in this team and in the NBA, and he yeah. would have been game for that. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. So my thing is making sure the big stay out of foul trouble because that on paper that's where they had the advantage to begin with. Um, so we don't have a ton of depth at that position think, as far to match up with them. Do you think uh, Cliff Alexander will be on the active roster for this series? Mm, I think came in. With the experience. Oh, true. Yeah, it's got to be Cayman. And to yeah. his credit, he played decent that one game. He showed up in San Antonio, so you know he's still got. I don't think you want to throw in an undrafted rookie into any significant minutes unless it's, you know, hey Brian Roberts, we're gonna have to put you on the inactive list so we can throw six extra fouls at uh, DeAndre. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think the time is is now. Your playoff predictions before before it all starts. And for our listeners, we will discuss and break down every game and preview the following game as the playoffs go on. But for this episode, we are looking at the entire series and giving our predictions. Um, Evan, what's your prediction? For this series? For this series. Who wins and in how many games? <laughs> I think that we... I think that we get one one game. I think Clippers beat us 4-1. I think that we get game three back in Portland. I mean, I want to say that if we can steal one, if we can steal one of the first two in, in L.A., then I think it, it's a seven-game series. But if not, yeah. I'm going optimistic. I think it's going to be a seven-game series. Who do you got, Sage? That is... Do I have to answer that one? Because yes, I, I do. Yes. All right. I'm going to... What is that golden gut saying? Because that's always been right. I'm going to go to the Blazers because I think chemistry is a big issue. And I think that the Blazer players truly like each other. And I think that's going to be a factor in the league. Because I don't, I don't think this series with, with the Clippers, I don't think they like each other as much. No. I'm going, I don't know if Portland could win a seventh game on the road. I think that's asking a whole lot. Although if it is against any team, it is the Clippers. We saw them absolutely you know, meltdown in game six last year against the Rockets at home when they were up by, what, 17 or 19 points going into that fourth quarter. I've got the Blazers in six. I, man, you guys are, man, you guys are optimistic. I think Portland, we've seen Terry Stotts in a game-by-game situation just pull our hair out because of his defensive, you know, strategies and adjustments and his lack of adjustments. But give him a series and he will make those over time. And that's what I'm hoping for. And 
I think Al Farouk's going to continue to hot shoot. I think AC is going to make some big threes. We've got shooters on this team. I, I'm really feeling optimistic that those shots are going to open it up for Dame. And then once Dame gets going, it's going to be very difficult for the Clippers to stop. Um, I just think we're actually a more deeper team than the Clippers. And if we can get one of these first two in Los Angeles, you know Rip City is going to be going absolutely insane games three and game four. So, you know, I've got Portland. They're the team. L.A. may be more talented, top-heavy, but Portland's more hungry. Like you said, Sage, they've got better chemistry. I think they're more talented, one through 12. Um, and I think Terry Stotts is a better coach than Doc Rivers. I think Doc Rivers can't get over his, you know, he can't, he keeps tripping over his feet. So I've got the Blazers in six. Let's take a look at the other playoff matchups in both conferences and just quickly give our predictions or what we're, we're looking for. Warriors Rockets, the one, eight matchup. Does Houston get a game there? No, no. I think I think Houston gets one. James Harden has the ability to score 50 on and, any given night. And don't get don't get me wrong. I think it's going to be exciting. I think it could be a fun series. It's going to be a lot of scoring. But, uh, I mean, there's nothing more I love watching than the Rockets get murdered. And I'm and hoping. now Houston gives up their pick to Denver. <laughs> because, yeah, because they snuck in, yeah. So now Denver's got three picks. So you're kind of happy the Rockets don't get their pick. But then at the other end, you're like, damn, Denver's got three picks. They're already pretty young and pretty good. Not sure how I feel Well, about what are you going to do with... Picks 7, 12, 13. If you're good, man, you hit on those picks, especially in the CBA with those small contracts, that is just gold. No I mean, the Denver scouts got picked up really quick. I think it's just, oh, God, I forgot his GM, the GM's name now. Masai? No, no, he's in Toronto. But he used to be the Denver GM. Yeah, but they, I mean, they still have, they still had good scouts last year. I mean, they picked Jokic at, like, in the second round. Yeah. Well, also, you can package those picks and move up. Either way, they're loaded with And sets. if New York gets lucky, they get to swap up the yep. Knicks. Yep. Yeah. Um, but I've got Houston winning one game. I think it's going to be a very similar series to how it was in last year's Western Conference Finals. Uh, Spurs-Grizzlies, do we even need to talk about that? It's going to be a sweep, clean sweep, right? Yep. Lance Stevenson might be fun. I mean, that, that's a series made for NBA TV. That's what I saw on Twitter. And I, but hold on. We're just I know they're completely different teams, but was it the Grizzlies the year that the Spurs lost as a one seed? Was yeah. It the Grizzlies that, that beat Grizzlies them? had a healthy Conley. Uh, yeah, it, it was a long time. Um, no, I, I, just, I, I just thought that was random. Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, that was the Grizzlies. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mavericks and Thunder. Does Dallas, you know, they have no Chandler Parsons. Darren Williams just came back from injury. J.J. Barea won player of the week last week. Uh, Wesley Matthews is, is getting a little bit more healthy. They still have Dirk. Do they pose any sort of threat to the Thunder? I'm going to say they get one game. Yeah, I mean, they've been playing well. I don't think they're going to get – I don't think they necessarily will get swept. But, I mean, they have been playing well towards the, this last stretch of the season. That coaching staff's so good. Yeah, that's what and I was going to say. count out Carlisle against Billy Donovan. That That's worth a game in itself. Dallas is a team oh. two years ago that pushed the Spurs – who just ran through the playoffs after that series to seven games. Uh, they're just that team that just won't die. J.J. Barunia will not die. Uh, I mean, Felton's not playing the best basketball in like three or four years. I, I think this <laughs> Is that series, the auto move? That's a I think this series might actually go six. I still got OKC, but just Dallas is a weird team. I mean, I mean tough, just tough think, is Monty coming back for this series? I think he's done for the season, man. So you don't have your lead assistant head coach. Billy Donovan's never been in this situation. 
Rick Carlisle, Melvin Hunt. I'm going with that for at least a game. Yeah. All right. Let's move. And old man Dirk. Let's move to the Eastern Conference. Uh, the one eight matchup. I'm actually pretty stoked to see it. It's the Cavaliers and the Pistons. Pistons have a lot of bright rising stars: Drummond, Reggie Jackson. Um, they've got Tobias Harris, your boo, and they got Marcus Morris, Stan Van Gundy, Stan Van Gundy. You know they drafted uh, Stanley Johnson. Yeah, and, a good couple. Weeks. And of course, this will be the first playoffs. The Cavaliers. No, they had they had the, the trio healthy until Kelly Olynyk took out Kevin Love uh, yeah. in the first round last year. This will be interesting. Are the Cavs actually going to flip the switch? If they do, does the switch turn on? Uh, because I think the Pistons can actually give them some trouble. I think so as well. Uh, I've got the Cavs winning, but I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if this went six or seven games. I'm going to say Cleveland in six. I mean, say? Dre Drummond is the most powerful center in the league. Yeah. Do you I mean, really think Tristan Thompson, Thompson and... Uh, Ogdob? Exactly. Do you really think their game to stop them? No. And... I think Stan Van Gundy is a top five coach in the NBA. I think it's going to be a tough series. Yeah. I mean, Tobias Harris is, has a really good role. I mean, Reggie Jackson's explosive. Kyrie Irvin doesn't like to play defense. So I see it going six games, but I mean, LeBron James, it's, it's tough to bet against him. Yep. But I, I could see a few. I could see a loss or two. Who do you got in that series, Evan? Yeah, I got Cleveland in probably, you know, five. I, I could see. Detroit getting a game. I mean, I, I like that matchup. I think it's an awesome yeah. matchup, but I just I just think Cleveland's obviously the better team. So, uh, The 2-7, Toronto Raptors and Indiana Pacers. Uh, probably the least enticing matchup for me in the Eastern Conference just because I hate watching the Pacers play basketball. <laughs> I mean, it's, right. it's Paul George and who? Miles Turner for a half? I, I guess. I mean... He's, he's good for a rookie, but he's not like, oh, my God, Miles Turner is playing basketball. Let's turn that TV on. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I mean. I mean, the they're, Raptors. They're athletic. I mean, the Raptors also can't. Like um, like Doc Rivers, the Raptors just keep tripping over themselves. They keep making comments during playoff rallies. They, they're losing in first-round series. Uh, I think they'll get by. Um in five games, but again, it wouldn't be surprising. How, how much more scary would the Raptors be with a good stretch four? Well, they tried to get one at the deadline. They just they tried hard, yeah. but they weren't willing to give up that uh, that Raptors draft pick. I think Thad Young or is Ryan better. Anderson. Or Thad Ryan, Young Ryan or Anderson, Ryan yeah. Anderson is much better than that 28th, 29th pick in the draft. Yeah, I agree. You guys both have the Raptors winning this? Oh, of course. Yes. All right. Uh, Really fun, fun series. Yeah. Miami Heat, Charlotte Hornets. Uh, I could, if the Hornets were completely healthy, I might lean upset. But Miami's been pretty damn good at home lately. Uh, I'm going to take the Heat, but I think this is our first seven game series. I I, I think Miami's going to win. I think they're just they got that they know the roles. I, Charlotte has a lot of injuries. Players are sick. Kemba's playing really well. Yeah, but Jeremy you got contract year Nick Batum just ready to put a good playoff run and just collect that paper. But is he one hundred percent healthy going into this? Is he healthy enough to play? He's been playing. He's gonna play, but he did. He had a little tweak the other night. Yeah, he, like he's, he's kind of hurt. 
He was the game time decision in the last few games. Yeah, he tweaked an ankle or a knee or something like that the other day. Who do you have winning that series, Evan? Uh, I mean, I have Miami because I think that they're a little bit more seasoned with Dwayne Wade. Um, I like, I mean, Tim Walker's been playing well, but I like the matchup. It'll be interesting. I want to really see Gordon Dragon versus Kemba. And then see some, and then obviously Hassan Whiteside, who's a freak, comes off the bench and just blocks everything. He had a ton of blocks tonight. So, um, but I did have a hypothetical. This is kind of off topic, but not really because it's, it, it's in regards to the Hornets. I love hypotheticals. Live my life in hypotheticals. Shoot. Oh, always. So right now, going into the playoffs, assuming everyone's healthy, right? If, if it could happen, would you swap Nick Batum for Alfred Camino? Yes. If you're a Blazer fan. This Nick Batum, I'm just so used the to the way he's playing right now. I'm just so used to being let down by Nick, though. That's the thing. That's yeah. That's in, in Alfred Camino. The past month has been. Playing you know what? Out of though I, I'm sticking with Alfred. I think he plays better defense and he does what we need. He's going to play three and D. He's, he's cut better turnovers. He's a better fit. Yeah, he's a better fit he right now. He can play the four. He can defend the four. Um, better rebounder. Nick's the better shooter. But again, you don't. Nick was just so goddamn inconsistent, and I, I love the fact that Nick loved the city and the fans. And you know, to be honest, we do not win that 2014 series without Batum. He played his best ball as a Blazer that series. But you just never knew what Batum you were going to get, and I think that's more maddening than just having a slightly maybe less talented player who's more consistent. I'll so take, where do you think Nick's, Nick's going as a free agent? I think he might stick. I didn't think he was going to stick at Charlotte, but they've had a successful year. I think he'll take the most money and stay with the Hornets. Where do He's you think, all- Evan? I'm, I'm thinking. I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he, st- if he stuck with it. I mean, it seems like he liked it there, and they embraced him. And he seems like a pretty loyal dude when it comes to that stuff. I'm trying to think of who needs that style of play right now. Isn't he also I mean, playing two guard for them? Yeah. With, yeah, yeah with Gig Gro- Gig hurt, yeah. That just wouldn't fit in Portland because we play the small backcourt. Nah. Well, isn't he doing? He's doing it because Gig Gilchrist is hurt, though, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or he was starting, yeah, because Kid Gilchrist started at the three and they played him at the two, and that's when he started out really well. He was playing that two guard because he's so much bigger than all the other opponents he was going at. I think Nick Batum is going to be a New Orleans Pelican. Really? I, yeah. I think he's going to be a Pelican. I think well, Dell Dumps or whoever's in charge of the Pelicans next year. He's gonna go to his house at midnight, oh, midnight one or whenever the free agency starts. Give him a max contract, and he's gonna be New Orleans Pelican. That's a my max hot. contract for Nick Batum. Yep. Yo, yeah, Nick's getting maxed out. Yeah, he's getting maxed out regardless. There's gonna be a lot of players you're gonna be saying max contract, like question. Mark. Yeah, there's gonna be paper being tossed around like a. Uh, yes. So I, I, if I, I think he's gonna be a Pelican next year. You know where else he could go if Chandler Parsons decides that he wants to leave Dallas? That'd be an intriguing spot for him, too. Mm-hmm. In Dallas? Yeah, he'd, he'd, he'd fit that system pretty uh, well. Multiple places. But the last first-round matchup that we're going to discuss, and my favorite outside of Portland, Los Angeles, is the 4-5 between the Hawks and the Celtics. I think this also goes 7. I've got the Celtics. Um, kind of surprised they didn't finish... In the third seed, they did have, I mean, you look the three through six, they all had 48 and 34. So, you know, take your pick who's going to come out of that. I've got Boston. When they're clicking in that defense, it's just something to see. Uh, but that's going to go seven. That's going to be a fun series to watch. I know you probably got the Celtics, right, Sage? Yeah, of course, I have the Celtics. Evan, who do you got in that series? 
I want the Celtics because I want to see the Celtics Cleveland in the second round. Yeah. So I I'm going to go with the Celtics Heat. No. No, it would be Celtics Caps. Oh, uh, Celtics. Well, Celtics Heat played tonight. It was a pretty good game. Did yeah, you see, like, yeah, the, the, the Celtics went on, like, a 31 to 4 run mm-hmm. tonight in, in that game. It was uh, insane. But no, I, yeah, I want to see, I want to see Boston Cleveland second round. All right. Give me your Western Conference Finals predictions. Golden State wins it. Well, West, well who's putting Oh! <laughs> <laughs> well, Golden State, obviously. Oh, they Not... play the Spurs, and it goes six games, Golden State wins. Who do you got, Evan? I mean, I, I would love to say OKC because I love I love Russell Westbrook. I've talked about it many times. Okay, you're not going to say OKC. I'll say OKC because I, I, I have to. I stuck with my prediction early on the season. Oh, I, 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 I cut and ran from that prediction once I saw it. Did I you guys both do it? Yeah, well, it, it was game one of the season. So I didn't know how good Golden State was. OKC is going to be too much for the Spurs, man. They have no answer for Russell Westbrook. You can put Kawhi and KD. That's cool. Russ is just going to go nuts. He's going to go bananas. Yeah, and it's been interesting to see LaMarcus kind of shrink in some of these big games lately, right? Like, I just down- don't. If I'm a Spurs fan, like, don't bank on LaMarcus having a huge playoff series. I mean, he can't be your go-to guy. And they're going to have to win with team ball. Uh, they are fantastic at home. But OKC's played the Spurs tough. They played the Warriors tough this year. I think it's going to be OKC and Golden State in the Western Conference Finals. I think that goes seven because all of those games have been bananas this year but I do have the Warriors because they are at home. Uh, so I pulled the trigger on the OKC. Sounded like you were going uh, Spurs-Warriors, Evan? Yeah. <laughs> as much as I want I want OKC, really. like I want to see that matchup in the Western Conference Finals. I love Russell Westbrook, and I would love to see. I mean, I'm really glad that the Golden State Warriors won. Like, they set the record tonight, but I'm so over Like, it's been so overly saturated with this Warriors love. Like, I'm done with it. I want. So you Warriors. have the Spurs beating the Warriors? I want them to. I don't think they're going to, but I want them to. I would love if the the Cleveland Cavaliers could beat them. Okay, so we all have the Warriors coming out of the West. Uh, who is your Eastern Conference Finals matchup, Sage? I'm going to say Cleveland. I'm going chalk. Cavs, Raptors? Yeah. Cavs, obviously? Yeah. Who do you got, Evan? Cavs. It's probably me, the Raptors, but it would be awesome if it was Miami. Um, mm-hmm. If Miami could somehow get Toronto in the second round. Um. Yeah, Cavs drawn. I think it is going to be Cavs Heat. Uh, the Heat are actually clicking. They've got a lot of damn talent, and that's going to be a fun series, Cavs and Heat, because LeBron hasn't played very well. The Cavs have not played well against the Heat since LeBron came back. Um, I think the Cavs are going to find a way. I mean, you have LeBron James on your team. You can almost chalk it up to go into the Eastern Com- Eastern represent the East in the finals every year. Did you so, see that? Uh- Fine of LeBron just saying, if this doesn't go well, I'm going back to Miami. No, wait, you say that. Wait, he verbally said that, like, on video? Yeah, well, he said it with his shirt over his face, like, to Dwayne oh, Wade after a oh, game. Oh, that was a while ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was a while ago. Uh, I mean, I remember, I remember hearing about that and kind of seeing it. Yeah, I definitely, we're talking about pressure on the Clippers. Times that by 10, and that's on LeBron to get a ring for Cleveland. Uh, mm-hmm. Because if he doesn't get one this year, he might just decide to say, you know, it's, it's been real, but I, I'm, I'm going to dip back my, my toes back in the water in South Beach. Mm-hmm. So do we all have Warriors-Cavs rematch in the finals? Yeah. Yes. You guys both have the Warriors winning? Yes. Well, I do. Mm-hmm. I hear some, some pause in your voice, Evan. 
I mean, it, it's it's. I mean, I think they're gonna win. It's. I, I'm torn between what I think and what I want to happen. Oh, I, totally. I don't want the Warriors to win again. I'm so annoyed with the, all this Warriors love. But uh, yeah, I think they're gonna win. I think it will be the Cavaliers. Mm. Good. Uh, so. You look back at last year. Cavs had their their hands a stranglehold on the series. They were up two one. They jumped out to a massive lead in Game Four. They simply ran out of gas. I mean, we're talking about Della Vadova doing about as good of a job as you can on Steph Curry defensively, having to go to the hospital because he's suffering from exhaustion, giving it all he's got. Uh, you've got Tristan Thompson turning himself into a max player off of one series. No Kyrie, no Kevin Love. Uh, those two are back. If we're, we're all talking health you know, matters here right now, they're all back. They add another weapon in Channing Frye. Uh, LeBron is still LeBron. Like Steph is a, a beast. But the Warriors still have no answer for LeBron James. Uh, I think it's going to be another seven-game series. I think the Cavs are going to find a way. I mean, they played them tough in Golden State on Christmas. They won a game last year. So they've been there. They've done that before. I just think they're going to have a much easier path to the finals. The Warriors, this time around, they're not going to get so lucky. They're not going to have you know injured teams lining up in front of them. They're going to have to go through you know, Houston and then either Portland and Los Angeles and then either San Antonio or Oklahoma City and then Cleveland. That's a really daunting task. And if they do win it all, you know, my hat's off to you. You got 73 wins and a back-to-back championship. I got Cleveland. I think it's going to be too tough. But those are our predictions. And before we sign off for the night, uh, I have a couple fan questions. Uh, Sage, did you get any? No. Okay. So I've got one from uh, my buddy Ian, Ian Langenheisen. Uh, sorry if I mispronounced your last name, Ian. It is a, a long one. I work with Ian. Uh, he said, aside, from, <laughs> he said, aside from Damon CJ, who do you see having the biggest impact in the first round? I answered with Ed Davis earlier in the podcast. Uh, I want to know from you guys who is going to step up besides our big two and have just a marvelous first round. I think it's going to be a collaborative effort. I think it's going to be Al Farouk one game, Ed Davis another, Mason Plumlee the third. I think it's going to have to be a collaborative effort. You can't put all of the stress on one guy. I think it's going to be whoever happens to be the hot person that game will be the third option. Yeah, and I think, I I mentioned earlier, um, I think it's going to be Alfred, just the way he's been playing with the confidence he's been playing with and the aggressiveness. And I think that it's just a good matchup for him. And um, It's the most favorable matchup, I think, out of all of them, especially the starting five, is, is the small forward position. All right, last question from one of my favorite fans online. Long story longer. She wants to know, what are the realistic expectations for the playoffs? Should we hope to go to the second round, or should we just enjoy it? Whatever. I'm just going to... If we happen to... If we win, that's fantastic. I think it's all gravy now. We made it to the playoffs, and we are supposed to be looking at Jamal Murray to, as a pairing for Dame. It, it, it's all about just enjoying the moment, really. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't expect to win. Um, I think it's just great. It's, it's going to be great learning experience. We talked about how little experience a lot of these guys have in the playoffs. And I know when the season first started, we nev- no one really expected to make the playoffs. So we weren't, they weren't, a lot of those guys weren't going to get some experience like this. So I'm just excited for the fact that we're going to get some of these young guys, some some meaningful playoff experience. Yeah, I think she worded it right. You should you should hope for the second round, but definitely don't expect it. 
uh, just because I think we'll get there doesn't mean it should happen. It's not like we're playing, you know, the 76ers in a series where you think it's going to happen and you expect it. No, I just think we're going to, um, but definitely keep the hope. Um, I just thought of a question. Just one second. For, For me, I just want it to be competitive. I don't want to watch another Memphis series. If we get swept, but every game is, you know, within two to four points, that's a good series. Uh, if the series goes six games, that's always considered a good series to me. So look for those two things. Are, are the games competitive? Does it look like Portland is, you know, a worthy opponent? Like they look like they belong in the playoffs against, you know, a great team in the Los Angeles Clippers. And does it go, you know, six or seven games? Did they, did they win a couple? Um, those are things to look for. Uh, that's what I've got. What's your last question, Sage? So we know that GMs are prisoners of the moment and fans are as well. Which one player do you think is going to get a massive contract based on their playoff performance in this playoffs? Oh, I know. A trailblazer? Anyone. Oh, I, no. I was just thinking Blazers. What's your answer, Evan? Well, to, if we were talking trailblazers, the guy who I think stands the most to get paid and will, because I think he's going to play well for the Blazers, is Alan Crabb. Yeah. Because I was thinking that as well. I was either thinking Allen or Maurice Harkless, because they're both restricted free agents. Both have small cap holes for the Trailblazers because um, they don't make a whole lot of money right now, mm-hmm. uh, frankly. But th- those are my two. Uh, Moe's going to start. Allen's probably going to be the sixth or seventh man off the bench. We've talked about the Clippers taking the ball out of Dane's hands. It's going to find it's going to find its way to Mo, and it's going to find its way to Allen. Whoever makes the most plays, going to get the most bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we know that um, a playoff series like that can get you paid. Look at Alfred Camino had a good playoff series with Dallas out of nowhere. Scott C.J. McCollum, a starting role where now he's going to get paid. Oh, yeah. I mean, Aaron Gray got a huge contract because of the his play in two games. So this is prisoner of the moment contract. I I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see which random player shines, gets paid very handsomely. Well, and it's going to be interesting because Olshay is not really like, I mean, he had the moment with Aminu, but he had experience with Aminu. He had drafted him when he was with the Clippers, so he knew a lot about him. But it'll be interesting if a team does overreact on someone like Alan Crabb, and then what Olshay does, does he match it? How does he react to that? Exactly. And my whole thought in terms of our free agents coming up, if you perform well in the playoffs, I'm going to roll with you because when those lights shine the brightest and you're performing at your best, that means you're a primetime player. We saw it with CJ. Uh, I'll, I'll take that chance any day of the week. And well, we tried We tried to with Myers, remember? We tried to give him a contract because he played well in Memphis, and he we did. decided you know, not to take it. 50-50, you know, you win some and you oh, lose some. I have a question. What's going to happen to Myers Leonard who's going to be out for eight to ten months? I mean, that's a great, a great question. Sage mentioned, and you mentioned that he would have been nice to have on Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, it would have been nice to have him on DeMarcus Cousins. It seems like he's a really becoming even more of a niche player than we even thought. And when you've got Mason Plumley and Ed Davis and Noah Vonley and now Mo Harkless, I just don't see the playing time or the room for a Myers Leonard who is going to still get a pretty penny this offseason. Uh, I, I said all along we should have moved him at the deadline to get something because there's just not enough room or enough playing time for him. So I thank him for his, his time as a trailblazer. But um, uh, you know, either fortunately or unfortunately, however you you know stand on the Myers Leonard uh, issue, uh, he I don't think he will be back as a trailblazer next year. I don't think he'll be back as well. But I I think that there will be some GMs out there willing to take a chance on him, and 
he's going to be paid handsomely, and hopefully he plays well in that role, except when he plays against us. But he's definitely going to attract some people. Maybe they since that injury happened, it's going to be a different group of teams looking for him, like a team that's obviously tanking or looking towards the future, like maybe the Nets or something. I'm just throwing a team out there. But if he was healthy, I think I think it's just. But there, there's going to be teams that are going to be bullish on him and will take a chance on him. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's going to back be back either. I think the Blazers made him an offer reportedly ten million a year, and if if we think he's going to get paid and around that range, I mean, he didn't do anything this year to warrant running that offer back by no, him. No, I, I don't think so. He did not take that step that CJ took. Uh, when I saw him play against the Grizzlies, I was like, man, this guy is going to be the next big thing. I even I. Admit it. I proclaimed him as one of the next all stars on the Trailblazer roster, and you know I'll take my most my quotable thing we've ever said. I'll take my loss on that one. You know I'm not going to. Just... Well, he was banged up all year though. He had the dislocated shoulder earlier in the year too. So but even when he was healthy though, it was just I, I don't want to get. Into he this. never caught his footing. Yeah. Yeah, it's too late to get into Myers. Is just I really like him and I want him to succeed, but he he was a frustrating player to watch as a fan just because he was so tentative and so passive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, before we wrap up the show, I want to get one more thing out there. The Blazers gave up their draft pick to the Denver Nuggets. It is going to be either pick 18 or 19, depending on a coin flip with the Detroit Pistons. Sage, Evan, Blazers' fifth seed, is it worth it for that pick? I think it's worth it. The fifth seed? The fifth seed is definitely more than a late teens pick, especially in uh, a top-heavy draft. No, and and my thing is, we're not a draft with the team. The team outperformed our expectations this year, so we're not a team that's a draft pick away from being better. We're a team that legitimately go out and get a few pieces in free agency, and that's what's going to make us better. Not a younger player. Yeah, it's Dame is heading into his prime. He's ready to win now. Uh, it, earlier in the season, you're maybe looking at a draft pick helping this team out. I think you're right, Evan. It's a free agent or a trade that's going to help this team out. We're already the second youngest team in the league. Maybe we can buy a second-round pick, get a guy like Gary Payton the second or somebody like that uh, so we can have a draft pick on the roster. But getting the fifth seed, that's that's no slouch. That, that's a big deal, and you're looking at a team who could possibly get to the second round of the playoffs, which is just incredible to think at this point at in October. Uh, but it is just past midnight. It is Tuesday morning. Uh, Sage, big thank you for producing this episode. Again, Evan, huge thank you for being on the podcast, sponsoring it. And one more time, let our fans know how they can take uh, advantage of your discount. Yeah, so hit up my website. It's evanem.com, E-V-A-N-E-M. Um, so there's a couple of Dame Time shirts, a Dame 503T, and a red and black PDX snapback hat. Uh, if you type holy backboard one word at checkout, you will get 20% off any or all of those products that you uh, decide to get. All right. I think that about does it. We'll come with you. Uh, we'll have another episode either Sunday night or Monday morning, Rip City. Uh, it's playoff time. It's ready. It's here. Uh, let's go, Trailblazers. Let's go. Let's go.